Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Record. friends you are listening to the friday follow-up for season 13 and our episode entitled the wrongful conviction of luke mitchell and in that episode bob did cover some very initial facts about the scottish case of luke mitchell and the death of jody jones but for the first half of the episode he shared his thoughts on the final conclusion of the prosecutor's series on the anand syed case so we have a couple of different topics to cover today Plenty of wonderful feedback and questions from our listeners, so let's jump into it. But before we do that, Zach, we miss you. Uh, That's right. Uh, Zach is on assignment today. We are sans Zach. Uh, He should be back next week, but he's got a very important assignment that he's doing right now. So we've got a lot of stuff to cover and kind of in all different spectrums right now because we've got a ton of questions about the stuff I covered about uh, the Anansi Ed case, as you mentioned, in the prosecutor's final episode. We've got stuff on the Luke Mitchell case, which we won't. I don't think we'll get too deeply into because we're just starting to deep dive. That was just kind of a 30,000-foot view. Uh, I also have a missing persons case of the week that I want to touch on. We'll hit this up top. But also, Janet, you have an update, uh, a sad update about your missing persons case. I do. I do. For those of you who were with us on the live stream when we recorded last Wednesday, uh, you know that there was a case that we talked about that by the time the recorded episode aired on Friday, the case of the missing Miriam Toure Sila, really like an hour after I had made my post on the Truth and Justice Facebook page about Miriam, there was an arrest made and an announcement that her remains had been found. It was um, really upsetting, very sad. Uh, her remains were found, and there is a person in custody. They have, uh, if you if you read about it, you'll see that for what it's worth, the police have put forth kind of a lot of information about why they think this person is responsible. Um, seems like there's a lot of damning evidence, of course, innocent until proven guilty. But regardless, it is an, it's a, it was a very, very sad outcome. And I'm sure, you know, her family the and her school are insane. dedicated. Yeah, devastated. Yeah, it was that was very strange. It was very strange that we had just done that. And then that happened. And it's true, what, from what I understood the, it turns it, it seems like the police had actually located her remains like months ago i 
don't think that's what it was. I think that they okay, maybe I misunderstood they had that. him. Well, they had him in custody already, but it was for uh, an assault. It was I think it was for it might have been domestic violence. Um, but uh, he was already in custody. But I'm just looking really quickly to see. Yeah, I'm not immediately seeing when when her remains were found, but I don't think they sat on that that long. Oh, you know what? You're right. On August 1st, a concerned citizen contacted the Prince George's County Police Department to report possible human remains found outside in Clinton. That's right. And they weren't identified. That's right. And so the D- they were waiting for testing, which is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah. So they had found the remains about a month prior to almost exactly a month prior to, but they were unidentified. And they were still doing they were still doing um, press conferences and stuff, just begging for information. But it does make you wonder what's going on behind the scenes if they have this, you know, the suspicion that perhaps it will turn out to be her and that they still have to do everything they can to try to find out if it isn't. And if not, you know. Yeah. The first thing I thought of was when you were sharing the case. Remember, I was I was asking, like, because they were keeping everything so close to the vest that it seems like they're treating it as foul. And it seems like maybe they're on. And they had her son in custody, you know, which which for, for charges that, you know, so that was all very strange, too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and the timing oh, of it awful. worked out. We recorded the information. Janet shared the case when we recorded Tuesday. That went live at 6 a.m. on Friday morning. Later in that morning, Janet got on and made a post with all the information about the case. And literally like 45 minutes after that, the press release came out that yeah. uh, that her remains were found. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it obviously is a tragic end, not what anybody was hoping for. Um, but from the work that we've had, in the discussions we've had with family members that are in this situation, it's absolutely the the worst case scenario, but at least there's an, an answer, answer there. They have absolutely. an answer at least. So that's done. So our thoughts are with her family and uh, hopefully that justice is they served correctly in that case. Uh, yeah. And while we're on that topic, I'm going to uh, share this week's missing persons case. This one comes out of Arizona. This is actually a case that I've been, I, I had on the docket for a while. I've actually spoken with Jarrett's parents. I was a little, it, it was one of the ones that I, I kind of had sitting in the back burner because, you know, we were doing this, this real deep dive and crowdsourced and, and, and you'll see why in a minute that I was a little hesitant and a little concerned. Hmm. And it wasn't that it was just, I didn't know what to do with it. And, and so here's the thing. So Jarrett Brooks from Joseph city, Arizona, he disappeared on the 4th of July this year. So now we are, we're now at the time of recording this, it was now two months ago. Okay. In his case, he was, sounds like there's, there's no history of any kind of like behavior problems, any substance abuse problems, anything like that. He has no history of behavioral issues. He had gotten in trouble and his, his parents grounded him. And so he was grounded and, and, and I, I believe he lost his phone too. There was a night they came back on the 3rd of July, I believe, where they or might have been on the 4th where, you know, he wanted his phone back and they said, no, you're still grounded. You still don't have your phone. Mm-hmm. And then he just disappeared. So it's, so it sounds like he, on his own volition, ran away. Mm. The reason that I was trying to figure out how exactly uh, I'm sorry, people in the chat are asking how old he is. He's 16 years old. I'll get into all of his uh, information. Is because when he left, the parents owned a handgun. And Jarrett left with the gun. That's mm-hmm. all he had. 
And that's why I was, I, I, and I had told his parents, I am like, I just, I, I'm so new to this. I don't know. I don't want to send people out, you know, looking for him if he's dangerous. And it was, it was much fresher than obviously when all this was going on too, but they, they, they saw him leaving and he had taken that handgun with him. And again, this is two full months ago. He was last seen on the fourth at around 6:30 a.m. crossing a neighbor's field, and then since then he has just completely vanished. And mm. obviously, he was like many teenagers was having a conflict with his parents. He was upset because he was grounded. That explains why maybe he took off, but he hasn't been seen since. And from everything that you know that I've learned about these cases since, and particularly you know even when these teenagers may leave by themselves oftentimes they end up in very dangerous situations and this is and and at this point this is getting very 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 concerning because it's been two months no one has seen him no one has heard from him there is an anonymous donor who offered a fifty thousand dollar reward for anybody that can help find Jarrett brooks is that on the res i'm i'm from arizona and i know it's it uh, i believe joseph city is just a handful of miles uh, I think it's like southeast of Winslow, where which is which is the town very close outside to where my my aunt lives. Um, and I'm I know that the Zuni and Hopi and well the Navajo res are like right there. So I didn't know if it was a if it's an Arizona case or if it's considered a reservation case. I'm curious. So he's a white male. Mm-hmm. I don't think he he's Native American, uh, and they didn't say anything about it being on the res, but it is in exactly the area you're talking about. Uh, the family's hired a private investigator, harder investigations, to help find him at this point. Plus, the sheriff's department's looking for him. So, Jarrett is 16 years old. He's six foot tall, 140 pounds. So, he's pretty pretty slight of build. He's he's a, a thin guy. He's white. He has blonde hair, and his hair, at least in the picture they have, is kind of cut into kind of a mullet. Blonde hair, brown eyes, and he has a faint cleft lip scar. It, and, and when I put the the post up on Friday, you'll see it. it. It's it's not a super noticeable one, but you can definitely tell there's a there's a scar there. He had on a surgery when he was a wee one. Yes. Yep. Uh, he was last seen wearing a black T-shirt with America across the front, blue jeans, cowboy boots, and a baseball cap. Anyone with information about the case is asked to either contact Harder Investigations. That's the private investigator, and their phone number is four eight zero. Nine zero four two six two eight, and I'll have these in the show notes too. So if you have any information, uh, you can definitely go there, uh, and then or you can call the Navajo County Sheriff's Department at nine two eight five two four four zero five zero. And if you go, there is a Facebook page dedicated to his, and uh, I don't have it written on my paper here. I'll put a link to it in the description to the Facebook group. Uh, and if you just look up Jarrett Brooks missing on Facebook, I know that it comes right back right up because I was on it earlier today. Uh, and there's also a GoFundMe attached to that. If anybody wants to help donate to, uh, help them assist with paying the private investigators and stuff like that to try to find Jarrett Brooks. Mm. So this one is, uh, it's a critical case again, out of Joseph city, Arizona, 16 year old Jarrett Brooks, Brooks, six foot tall, 140 pounds, white, blonde hair, brown eyes with a faint cleft lip scar. And all of this information will be in the show notes if you didn't catch it all right when I just shared it. So please, if you get on the Facebook page, if you're in the area, be on the lookout, share um, share the posts that, that we make and share the posts from their Facebook page to help see if we can find Jarrett Brooks. And uh, with that, we'll move on from our 
missing person of the week case. And we'll start getting into the episode that we just, oh, there is one more thing uh, that I've been meaning to mention on the Truth and Justice podcast fans page. Ed Eights had, and we've talked about this before, he, from the lack of dental care from 20 years in prison, Mm -hmm. has all kinds of of problems, um, like tens of thousands of dollars worth of dental work that he needs to have done. Uh, and, uh, Daniel Rohr has, has helped one of our listeners has helped like find a dentist that's willing to work, um, work for basically just material costs. Uh, we've got great discounts there, but there's a GoFundMe set up right now for Ed and it's linked in it's pinned to the featured posts on our Facebook page. Um, so if anybody is, is, is open to and willing to help Ed get his surgery done, we hit the first goal, which I think was two thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, we hit the first goal to um, uh, to get. And I don't remember what the, what one phase of the work that he right. needs to have done. Uh, but there's more. I know Ed. I've talked to Ed about. You know, he's in a lot of pain, and and it's just it's a lot. And this was just from twenty years in prison where they just don't take care of them. So yeah, uh, if if that's something that. Uh, that you're open to helping out with, please go on the Facebook page and check out that GoFundMe and see if we can help Ed get his teeth fixed. So he'll have a, a bright and shiny and not hurting smile when he comes to ObsessFest in just a couple months. The man has a great smile. They didn't take away his smile, but got to help him out with the teeth part. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So now, 
onto the episode. Janet, you, first of all, have you listened to the prosecutor's closing? I, I haven't. Part of it is that I really honestly haven't had time because like you, I worked for the weekend. Um, but it, it's just, um, there's so much ugliness around all of this right now that yeah. it's not even the episode itself. It's just the bullying that's happening all around the internet that um, I, 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 it makes me so tense. Like I have yeah, trouble sleeping when things are and, and, and to be fair, it's, it comes from both sides. No, no, it's no, for the, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm making crowd, a general a statement. Yep. And the innocent crowd are, are really kind of, and that's what there. And I've said this a few times, but they're, you know, with what I'm doing with kind of going counterpoints to uh, what Brett and Alice presented, there were people that jump on that, you know, that, that we're fighting and arguing. And, and I'm trying very hard to make clear that's not all it is. They did the work that they did and they presented the case the way they presented it. I, I just, there, there's something in me that I can't just sit back and let misinformation, which, which may be unintentional in some places, sure. but th- there's misinformation that's out there and that I need to make sure for me, it's just one of those things that I need to, I can't. I can't sleep on it. I feel like I have the platform and I have the case file and I have the information to correct the record. And I at least want to put it out there to people that are, that are open to that. I'm not trying to be negative about their work. I'm not trying to, to give them a hard time or fight with Brett and Alice. I'm still hoping, you know, Brett said that when they were done, the, that we could get together and do a crossover episode. And that's what I really am hoping happens i just heard today that uh, that uh they apparently are on true crime garage uh having a conversation so it seems like they're definitely he told me they would now they're doing it so they seem open to going on other shows to talk about the work that they did on it so i'm hoping that they do that where we can just have an open discourse and discussion about these things and my and for those that you know that i'm doing the patreon bonus series where we're digging in we're digging deep into the weeds and all of this stuff like everything in every one of their episodes uh, I'm trying to avoid in that series to you know to argue about opinions and strictly sticking to facts. So like if they say this happened, I'm I'm bringing up the case file, the the case material, the source document, and saying this is what was what was said. Sometimes it's exactly what they said. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but we're getting in deep into the weeds, and uh, in that process, uh, if you listen to the Patreon bonus episode that will drop tomorrow, I found something that I don't think anybody has ever discovered this has been an interesting process for me because i was i was looking into one of the elements they talked about and in the research i'm like wait a minute not only are they wrong about this everybody's wrong about this Hmm. this is not what was said so it's really interesting but i wonder if information came somewhere else later that sort of ended up feeling like it superseded for people especially if it's like his own attorneys and stuff. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to. Yeah. I don't know from what that. I've seen so far. I'm kind of, I'm, and I'm kind of holding back on it too. Cause I want to make sure you know, when I get feedback from it, if somebody's like, Nope, it was from right here. Right. But I did more research today than what I talked to you about the other day. And yeah. uh, it seems to be confirmed uh, from that. what I've seen. Interesting. So anyway, that's going on. So, so you heard my kind of take on their final theories, what seemed to be closing arguments to me, mm-hmm. but you haven't heard their final theories to really, uh, have many thoughts on it no i mean I, I don't no one needs to read anything into that i just um yeah i'll get there but i also yeah. haven't listened to the entirety of their you know i've been their listening series. i've I, yeah i've i've been when i have time i've been listening to their episodes and and um you know i'm very familiar with them and and uh and so um i want to 
do it in order. But it, and it was hard not to do it in order. Like it was, yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was hard hearing everything that was being said and stuff and wanting to like jump ahead. But I just thought, no, I'll, I'll keep going in order, you know? Yeah. And so with, with that, I'm not going to put you on the spot to talk about something that you haven't listened to yet. Let's just get right into, uh, since that was the first part of the episode, are you set up to go over questions about that part? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, oh, and I also wanted to acknowledge you did post a very magnanimous, open, you know, post on the Facebook page that said, I genuinely am inviting people to talk about things that changed for them or new information that they heard yeah. the prosecutors cover. And like, what is convincing? Like, what if you are, if you're changing your mind, what's causing that? If you were on the fence, what's causing you to fall on one side or the other? Um, and so there was a lot of discourse there. Um, we didn't pull any of that since it wasn't technically follow up. But was there any of that that you wanted to cover that we didn't just talk about? I do, but I, I want to go through the questions first to make sure I'm not jumping ahead of some of the questions. But I will say that that post I I put up, um, essentially, I said, if you previously thought Adnan was innocent and you heard the prosecutor series and now you think that he's guilty, can you explain what it was about it? That changed your mind. And I had made a request. I'm like, please, let's, we're not going to argue. We're not going to make shitty comments to each other. Let's just have a nice dialogue. And that's like the best Facebook post we've ever had on that, on that page. Last yeah. I looked, there was like 360 oh, comments. Oh, yeah. There were a ton of, yeah, ton of comments. And everybody's being very civil and they're talking about facts. And some people are debating some things here and there, but it was, it's a really good. So if you're on the fan page and you haven't seen it, I mean, there's a lot. There's, again, yeah. there's, there's probably pushing 400 comments on it now. Yeah. But it's a, it, it's a really good discussion, and I'll get into some of that here in a minute. But let's get to the questions first. Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, shout out to Jesse, who simply said the prosecutors gave a convincing closing argument. No hesitation. I look forward to your continued rebuttals. Christine says, um, and Allie kind of echoed this sentiment, uh, does Bob have any inside knowledge about the rose, baby's breath, and floral paper found in Hayes' car? I don't know if this is something you're going to get into. I'm sure you will in a, a, a future episode, but. Uh, has Hadnan's legal team provided an explanation as to why they were there and when they were placed there? Are you in a place to talk about that now? It's kind of like what I did this week, where on our main feed here, I just talked a little bit about it without diving deep into it. But what I can say is the the rose and the floral paper, mm -hmm. that was new information to me. It was there the whole time. I, I don't know if I just read past it because I thought it was, you know, the rose that, you know, Adnan had given her way back. Mm-hmm. But as I thought more about it, it couldn't be that rose. Number one, she said in her diary that she had put the rose in a room or whatever. But also, she didn't have her car yet when mm -hmm. that happened. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that one. The prosecution didn't really use it. And I think that's why it didn't really mean much to me. Mm. I know from, you know, my, from learning a lot about how fingerprints work that like paper like that is the best thing ever to hold a fingerprint forever. Mm hmm. And I've seen some, I've read, I haven't dug deeply into it, but I've read a lot of like discussions about it, even like old Reddit threads about it and stuff. Like what people, are, I like to read like on Reddit, people that think that Adnan is guilty to see like, okay, like what is, this is probably the place to find the best argument for sure. it. And it seems like most people agree that it's probably not anything from like connected to the crime. There was an instance when Adnan, and, it, and this comes from, and I, this, these are the types of thing I need to get into the. The, the case file and find these interviews to be able to cite them from what I read. One of Adnan's friend might've been Juwan mm -hmm. talked about a time in December where Adnan had taken a rose to hay at work and he did not get the same reaction from her. 
then it was like right before they broke up hmm. um as you know, the first time where she thought it was the sweetest thing in the world it was kind of like she thought it was you know she thought it was childish and that he came there and gave her the rose remember she's there working with don sure and and so the the kind of just based and again don't quote me on this because i haven't deep dived into it kind of the the thing most people seem to believe is that it's probably that rose like she just because it sounds like she you know she kind of lived or her car was a mess there was so much stuff in it that it got tossed into the back seat and it was left there most people don't think it came from that day even the people on the guilty side because they don't know like when yeah maybe when adnan had left and was gone with jay during the day but they're like well then he'd have to buy it and then he'd have to be he doesn't have his car so he'd be carrying this rose around with him all day nobody saw him with the rose when could he have given it to her and again, since the prosecution didn't use it, it probably seemed like it must have been an old dried up rose, I'm guessing, that was in the back. But that but so that that's something that I had not caught before. Mm-hmm. And, and probably because, you know, I, I was I was looking at it from you know, back in the day when we were going through this, the entire case file wasn't just open and available. We were kind of getting it as undisclosed would do an episode, then they put the documents out. They do an episode, they put the documents out. I had access later towards the end. Uh, because I had developed a relationship with uh, with Robbie, there was there was stuff that she had shared with me that was just like the full case do- document mm-hmm. stuff that at that point wasn't available. But I had never I had never paid any really attention to the rose. So that was one thing that the prosecutors did. That that was that that was new information for me, and I was glad that they brought it out because now I know about it. Because that's that that's just I want to know everything, and that's something new. Yeah. Jamie says, I know Adnan hasn't said much, if anything, publicly since his release from prison, which is totally understandable. Do you think he'll make any sort of statement once his case works its way painfully slowly through the court system? Do you think there's a decent chance that alternative suspects will be investigated if Adnan gets a favorable final ruling? And if this is a long, long one, but a question that I think many people have. Thanks, Jamie. If yes, who do you think they will and should investigate? Thanks for all your time and efforts covering this case. I know it's incredibly time consuming. So that's a few different things I can go back and reread instead of hurling three at you at once. Let me know if I miss anything. But I know, but as far as Adnan making a statement, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any inside knowledge to that. I've never much. And I didn't realize that people didn't realize this. I don't know Adnan. I've never spoken to him. I've never exchanged a letter with him or a text message or a phone call. I've right. never I've no I've zero relationship with Adnan. Yeah. So I don't have, you know, I am very good friends with Rabia, but Rabia doesn't share anything with me because, you know, there's all this legal stuff going on and, sure. and all that stuff needs to be to be kept between them and the and the legal team. I would assume any decent lawyer would tell him not to make a statement yeah. at all. There's nothing good that can come with that. So I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. And I, that actually reminds me on the on the Facebook post that we were just talking about that you posted. I did see someone who said that, uh, and I I don't want to misquote, um, but I'm paraphrasing. Uh, It seemed that that person said that the thing that made them feel like Adnan must be guilty or the thing that pushed them over the edge was that they felt that he was not thankful for all of the help and the donations and stuff that were put forward. Um, And that made me really sad, regardless of what you think about the trial or the case Mm -hmm. or the like. That that made me really sad because that doesn't to me, that doesn't say anything about whether or not someone committed crime is whether or not they seem grateful for what was done for them. But also, I think you're right. I think it's highly likely that he is been told not to say anything. And I I my impression having, by the way, donated and I will be totally horrified. I'm not a sunk cost person. 
if something vastly different happens and there is information that proves that Adnan killed Hay, I will be very upset. And I will have donated money mm-hmm. towards a, a cause that was unnecessary. And if, you know, it working the opposite of truth and justice. But she has been extremely vocal about thanking everyone who have been yeah. part of that cause. So that broke my heart. So person, if you're listening, um, I'm so sorry and sad that you feel like that's what makes you think that Adnan is guilty, because I promise you, there is a lot of information out there where people are speaking on his behalf because they can, that yeah. he is extraordinarily grateful. So, And I think any lawyer would tell you that his attorneys would tell him, you don't speak in public at all, period. That's just right. part for the course. Now, as far as if I remember correctly, and the question, the next mm-hmm. part was, do I think that there will be an investigation into alternate suspects uh, if there's a, a favorable outcome? That's hard to say because you have, I think Ivan Bates is the, the DA now. He's been pretty vocal that he believes Adnan is innocent and that he would, that, that he would not pursue a prosecution of Adnan. I'm pretty confident that this, that the Maryland Supreme court is going to overrule the lower court's decision and leave the conviction overturned uh, because there's, I mean, it, it's understand for those of you that don't know what's happening with the case right now is the court above the court that overturned the conviction has said that because young Lee Hayes sister or Hayes brother didn't have enough notice to appear at the, at the hearing and, and weigh in on it that he, you know, his rights were violated, and so it should be reinstated. That's up to the Supreme Court. From what I understand, that there's really not much or any case law about that. It's also a tough argument to make because, in my opinion, because you know when his attorney said that, well, he couldn't get here in time, and they said, okay, well then we can we can bring him in on Zoom, which you know, I mean, defendants have been on Zoom uh, in court. And they said, well, he doesn't get off work until whatever time. And the judge said, okay, well, then we'll wait. So we waited like an hour or so until Young got off of work. And then he was able to zoom in and able to make his statement before this was done. So personally, as a non-lawyer, I would be surprised if this case isn't resolved at the Maryland Supreme Court and it's over with. If it happens that the court does say, say, nope, Young Lee's rights were violated. He needed to have notice for that hearing. Uh, and so they'll remand that back down to the trial court where all this happened to begin with. And then very likely the exact same thing will happen. They'll just give young Lee his notice. Ivan Bates will do the same thing. Marilyn Mosby did the conviction will be overturned and we'll be right back where, where we started. Most likely as far as alternate suspects, the problem is you still have some people in that office and certainly people in the police department that are still maintaining that Adnan is, is guilty. And Oftentimes in these situations, they're very reluctant. Even when the conviction has been overturned, they'll refuse to look anywhere else. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And that's one of the reasons where it's why it's a, a bit frustrating with you know what's happened with the prosecutor's podcast. And they've convinced so many people they're guilty. Legally speaking, does it matter what's said on a podcast and what people think? No. But public pressure is a thing. And if now all of a sudden there's all these people that used to think Adnan is innocent, all screaming that he's guilty, there's certainly no pressure anymore on Baltimore PD or that DA's office or anyone to try to figure out who actually did this. Because now there seems to be a big wave of public outcry that Adnan's actually guilty. And that's 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 extremely upsetting to me because 
I don't think that he's guilty. I don't think that they proved anything. But now, like this, this wave of support has has flipped, and that's it. It's important to me. It's important to me that at least the record is out there and clear. And that's why I'm hoping that Brett and Alice will come on and we can have a conversation where everybody in public and both public feeds can hear all the 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 the, the major points of contention that I have with the way they presented it. To where rather than a Twitter war or 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 podcast battling back and forth with each other that we can just be together on an episode and say, well, and I can tell them like, listen, I have an issue with this because this document, because I'm curious to hear if their response is, oh, I didn't see that. And mm-hmm. then I, and does that change your mind? Or if they just think that it doesn't matter. Right. So hopefully that will happen as far as if they investigate alternate suspects and who um, that's not for me to decide. I mean, I have, you know, you, you guys have heard my, my analysis years ago where the, who I think that would be a suspect worth looking further into. We have this new information about, about the DNA. There's new information out about sellers and Bilal. Uh, I have no idea who did this. So hopefully that they would put any, the people that have access to all the information will follow all those leads and figure out who did it. And that's, that's not up to, for me to decide. Okay. Um, Thank you. Jamie Grayson says, given all we know about this case, do you think that Anand would get a fair trial if everything being as it, you know, everything, if if everything turned on the idea of, yes, his conviction has been vacated, but the state decides to try him again, can he get a fair trial? It depends on your perspective, right? right? So if you're one of the people that think Adnan is guilty, from your perspective, would it be a fair trial? Probably not. If you think Adnan is innocent, will he get a fair trial? I think that he would. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, you could argue that from both sides. You could say there's been all of this information that's out there that could sway a jury one way. And you could say there's all this information out there that could sway a jury another way. So I don't know. The reason I think that it would be there's no way he gets convicted again in a new trial is I don't think Jay can testify. I'm sure you're right. And they have nothing with Jay. I mean, not only they already had all these inconsistent statements. Now we have people that have like dug into every detail that can show every single thing he said that is wrong and conflicts and right. doesn't match up with with everything from the cell phone evidence to his own statements. And then on top of that, he's made sta- public statements since trial. You know, we had the intercept interview. We had the little bit from Serial. Uh, when and, and when he talked to the you know when he talked to the producers from the HBO documentary, he said that the idea of the Best Buy came to the police. How do they go to trial? And then and then he'd be on the stand and he gets confronted with the statement that you said that the Best Buy, that whole location of Best Buy was provided to you by the police. Hmm. You know, all that is so he was already problematic He's even more problematic. And that's only if you could get him to testify anymore. Back then, they were holding a, a death penalty over his head. And that's confirmed fact. His lawyer came on, said they were threatening him with the death penalty before he set up to to testify at trial if he didn't put it on adnan he was going to he they were telling him he was going to be put to death for it right he doesn't have any of that hanging over his head anymore now so i don't know that jay whether adnan's innocent or guilty whether jay's telling some version of the truth or not i don't think he wants to be in the middle of this anymore at all And, and he may not even testify if he does it'll be worthless testimony the cell evidence won't have I mean you have the the 
the higher courts that have already looked at this and ruled on it and did determine that it was unreliable, which means it wouldn't pass the Fry test or whatever test they're going to use to see if it comes in. So they would probably have to go to trial without Jay's testimony and without the cell phone evidence. And you even have Jen, if I remember correctly, Jen Pusateri, I believe when she, I believe on the HBO and, and Janet, you would know this better than me because you've you've probably seen it since I have. But didn't she say in the HBO documentary she doesn't she's not even sure if Adnan did it at this point? I can't I don't remember. I remember that Jen seemed very confused and very conflicted and and just kind of my I remember more. This is not helpful. I remember more the feeling uh, the, of Jen and the feeling of her confusion and dismay yeah. during that interview more than I remember uh, what her exact words were. So I'm not a good resource for that. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm certainly not quoting her, but in my, my, and somebody either in the chat or, or on Friday when this drops, if you guys let me know on, on Facebook, but the way I remember, I remember saying, I don't even know if Adnan's guilty anymore. Like, I, I don't know what to think, which the reason that the reason that's sticking in my mind is because, you know, they were, they were talking about all the things with the schedule and all, all these at work, which, which are confusing. But then I remember thinking, what do you mean? Your story is that Jay told you right after it happened that you went with him to wipe fingerprints off of shovels and picks and throw them in a dumpster. How, if that actually happened, how could you possibly be not sure if it happened or not based on some schedule, you know, or, or, or something that doesn't line up with it with a timeline? Like, how would you get past that? So. Someone correct me if I'm wrong about that, but point being, if that's accurate, that's a statement that she would have to be confronted. Like, like w- the state doesn't have a case, I don't right. think, if they go to trial again, which, again, if you're on the guilty side, I think that you would probably feel like that's not a fair trial. If you're on the guilty side and you believe somewhere in there, Jay's telling the truth, somewhere in there, Jen's telling the truth, and the cell phone ev- evidence is accurate, and that if the state had to go to trial without any of that stuff, that that would seem unfair to you, I would think. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I would say uh, on the post that you made, it seemed that there were definitely a couple of folks who kind of cited Jen's participation or her testimony as being maybe yeah. the linchpin to why they felt either conflicted or they felt like Adnan must be guilty because wh- how and why would she ever have been a part of anything were there not some grain of truth? That was the most common thread that I saw when I was reading through was people saying, you know, the way the prosecutors laid it out, it just occurred to me, how do you get past Jen? Right. And the thing that, and, and I questioned a few people on it as we went, as we went through, because that was, again, the most common thing was Jen told this story before the police had the cell phone records and before they talked to Jay. And that was really intriguing to me because we know for, a, and that was stated on the, it's not their fault. That was stated on the prosecutor's podcast multiple times. Yeah. But the question that I was posing to people was, first of all, I don't know where they came up with they didn't have the cell phone records. They absolutely did have the cell phone records before that. Mm-hmm. I believe it was on, and again, in the bonus series, we'll get into all the details of this, but I believe it was like on the 16th or 17th of February, they had the, the phone records and the, um, uh, the, the cell locations. And then there's a time when they actually, they confuse a spot on a map because there's, there's two identical addresses, but one's like Cantonsville and one's yes. Baltimore. Yes. And we see where Jay's story lines up with this. And then they get the new information and all of a sudden it changes to come over here. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, if the cell phone records are corroborating Jay, why does Jay's story change when the police figure out a mistake on the cell phone map? But that's a story for another day. Um, but the fact is 
They absolutely did have the cell phone records by then. I mean, that's how they found Jen, right? Yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. So I don't know where that comes from. So, so we can take that away. And then the other thing that I was posing to people is, would it make a difference to you? Because some people, because some people are like, oh, I always thought he was guilty. And, and that's perfectly fine. But, but the, 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 my, the purpose of me making that post and having that discussion is I'm very curious about the people who did think that Adnan was innocent and have now changed their mind. Like, what was the thing that changed their mind? Cause I want to see, like, is there something that I, is there something that I missed through the series? Was there a thing that, that was, was legitimate, solid new evidence that I didn't catch that has changed their mind? And that was a big thing was, well, Jen talked to the police before Jay talked to the police. So, the story couldn't have come from the police yet, you know, when they did that. And, and the fact that Jen's there with her attorney. And the question I posed was, would it make a difference to you if you knew that Jay did talk to police before Jen talked to the police? Right. And there was some debate in there with people. But, th- but here's my, my position in that thread and, and here now. As far as I'm concerned, we absolutely know that Jay talked to the police multiple times before Jen talked to the police. Now, this is this this requires a little bit of of weed digging to get this. I don't even fault Brett and Alice for not figuring this this out, but you have, but they did say they were looking through the defense file. In the defense file, we see the interviews with Sis, which was Jay's boss at the video store. Mm-hmm. And she says there was, I believe, I know for sure one, maybe even two occasions mm-hmm. where the police came to the video store. Correct. Prior to, and I, she even gave him like the date on when I was like February 21st. Right. They came and picked Jay up and took him to question him. Right. And, and when he got back, she said, is that about that murder? And he said, yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's at least one or two occasions. Yeah. Ernest Carter said that he saw Jay in a police car talking to people uh, or talking to the police prior to uh, Jen. The fact that when they went to talk to Jen, they went looking for Jen, even though Jen's name is not the one on the cell phone records. Mm. It, it was an account under her her mother's name, and you might think that she was there looking for Patrick, but or, uh, or Jen's brother because he was also friends with Jay. But either way, they had no way to know that it was Jen they were looking for unless someone told them that's Jen's number because that's not what's on the records. Right. That ha- that likely came from Jay. And these are all corroborating things, and then the biggest one is Jay. Jay said the police. We're talking to him and harassing him and questioning him over and over and over again before they talk to Jen. Those are Jay's words. Well, don't believe Jay. I mean, you say the biggest one, but like Jay's a liar. So he might have been lying about that. You're right. And that argu- that's exactly the argument that, that people had said. Well, well, you say that you can't believe Jay. So I believe I'm like, right. But you say you can believe Jay. <laughs> you know what Fair I mean? Enough. So it's like this. It's this weird conundrum. So if somebody's <laughs> right. like. I think Adnan's innocent, and I so I believe that Jay's story is true. And I say, well, Jay said the police were harassing him repeatedly, and they were questioning him multiple times before he ever talked to Jen. And they're like, well, you can't believe Jay. I'm like, you can't have it. I mean, you sure, can't have I can't have it, it, can't have it both ways either. Yeah, you have to. It has to neutralize. That neutralizes. But the fact that his own boss said that he was questioned and he was not working at that store. Like there was a there's a very specific time in which he started working at that store. Yeah. And so there's like th- there's ways of corroborating that in any one of those things. If it was just Jay said. Well, yeah, the police talked right. to me a whole bunch of times and they were harassing me and I wasn't giving them all the information and I was talking to him until they finally talked to Jen. Be like, well, it's another one of Jay's stories. So take it or leave it. Right. But in this instance, 
And these are the things that we're looking for. As Brett said, try to find the things that you can confirm outside of things Jay said. Right. You have his boss at work. You yes. have Ernest Carter. Yes. You have the fact that they knew it was Jen that they were looking for. Right. All those things together with the fact that Jay says they talked to him multiple times before. It's hard to, as the way I put it, like I there's a lot of things in this case that are up for debate. I don't think it, it'd be very difficult to make the argument that the police did not talk to Jay before that. It's impossible to make the argument that they didn't have the cell phone right. uh, record at that point. We know for a fact they did. And, and some people were like, huh, I'll have to go through. Cause, and, and, and there were people that, that had said, you know, the people on, on both on Facebook and on Twitter and some DMs and stuff that I had that were like, well, you know, they convinced me on this. And I said, well, all, everything I just said here. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I literally forgot why I thought Jen was, you know, Right, right. Why I still thought he was innocent, even with Jen. But that's why is because they didn't mention any of that. And the big one was they continually say the police didn't have the cell phone records, so they couldn't create this story. But the fact is that they absolutely did have the cell phone right. records. Well, I'm sure that was just a, a innocent oversight on their part. Um, Michelle says, no parsing of a timeline matters until the lividity evidence is taken into account, period. Whoever killed Hay kept her for hours before taking her to Lincoln Park. There is no timeline for Adnan as the murderer that accounts for this evidence. Yeah, and they they made a concerted effort to do away with the lividity evidence as you get through, and we're going to get in, into all that stuff in detail later. But what one of the things in the closing uh, episode, or my, you know, they kind of did two closing episodes together in that that package of their closing is they and they're very good at they are very good attorneys. They are oh, very yeah. good at painting a picture that sounds sounds about right right the double diamond pattern the the pressure marks from the lividity mm -hmm. it starts out as you, you brett says some people think these are pressure marks it's a, and then he starts talking about them like they're an injury like they're an old wound what? or it could be a new wound yeah yeah like, like you watch the evolution. The conversation starts with pressure marks. And by the end, it's a scratch on her. He didn't say a scratch. Right. But the, the, but the way it's presented, they leave you with, you know, who knows? We don't know. what. And by the way, when they dug up that, that, uh, uh, that grave, they weren't looking for little things. We don't know what could have been in there. And so they, like, did away with it. But, you know, people talk about the lividity and the fact that she had full frontal fixed lividity and she was on her side. She was twisted up a bit and people made the, oh, yeah, but her face could have been down. And even though her arm, you know, her right hand is up by her left shoulder, but somehow she could have still been flat and her, her body was twisted. Argue about that till you're blue in the face. Right. She, the double diamond mark on her shoulder, which people have been trying to identify for, for years, mm -hmm. that is a pressure mark. It's not an injury. I've seen the photos, mm -hmm. like the actual photos from the, from the autopsy. It is a pressure mark. That is an item that was pressed against her skin right there. For at least eight hours to make that mark. That item was not in that grave. And to say that they just didn't look that close and they didn't do it, that's ridiculous. They brought in an archaeologist to ex excavate her. They sifted through every single grain of dirt when they were when they were digging her up. And there was no big solid double diamond anything in that grave. And that's huge. But I mean the, but again, they're very good. When you hear Brett talk about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's nothing. By the time you're done, like, I'm just like, yeah, what was I worried about that thing for? But it's huge. It's mad. like there's no getting around it. There's there's absolutely 
That's why there's so many people were so convinced. It wasn't because of lining up cell towers and pings and J-Story and conflict. It's because there are some very basic things that prove that this didn't happen. And that's one of them. Like, you have to show me somewhere in that grave where there was something of that shape that was pressed against her skin for eight hours when she was supposedly buried four hours after she was killed. And that thing's not in there. It just, it just doesn't work. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Katie says, I'm re-listening to Undisclose. The depth of their investigation into the cell phone evidence is so impressive. Honestly, after their ping episode, the cell phone data seems meaningless. I can't wait for Bob to get into it. Question. Was it not established that Jay went to a birthday party with Adnan and Stephanie a few days after Hay disappeared? The person, maybe Krista, whose party it was, knows when her birthday is. For me, that's a solid time anchor. That makes the whole I have to keep Stephanie away from a mad murdering Adnan narrative a no- uh, nonsense. I don't know if that's come. Does that, come, that must come up somewhere in the. No, no, they never talk about that conversation. It's probably from undisclosed. But yeah, that's one of those things that I'm not really because that gets into like people's opinions and and stuff. And I don't want to argue about people's opinions. Uh, I see. But yeah, that was, I think, brought up on undisclosed that, you know, Jay saying that I was afraid he was going to hurt Stephanie. I was in in, like he was at a party with Stephanie a couple at Krista's birthday party. Remember, it was that Friday night birthday Mm -hmm. party. I think it was after the ice storm or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is a thing that happened. But, you know, we can. And just as easily as you can say, clearly Jay wasn't scared. Somebody else can say, well, Jay didn't know what Stephanie was doing. You know, there's a million arguments for that. Uh, As far as the cell phone evidence, this, by the way, so these next two weeks, this week, which is dropping when, if you're hearing this Friday, it dropped on Wednesday on Patreon. If you're watching this live tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. on Patreon, the third installment of the reply brief is coming out. And that is part one of January 13th, where they're going through a bullet pointed timeline with the statements and the cell phone evidence. So uh, this week and next week is when we're really digging into every single detail about that. Okay. Carol, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but I think Carol um, posted, she, it's, she was very taken aback by, um, I guess, in some of the argument, uh, the, the compelling um, closing argument, as you have, have put it, what Carol deems to be a sort of made-up scenario of Adnan's fantasies of killing Hay. Um, I guess Alice said, we'd all be lying if we didn't at some point fantasize or have some image in our minds of doing something incredibly violent. All of us have murderous rage at some times. And Carol says, my reaction was, what? I can honestly say, and I'm not lying, Alice, (laughs) says Carol. I've never had that, no matter how mad I've been at someone. And while some people may have them, I think there are plenty of people like me who haven't. The idea of basing a theory on Adnan or anyone having a fantasy without a scintilla of proof uh, is, I guess, in Carol's opinion, not very credible or felt very dangerous, a very dangerous place to go. You need to look for those phrases of, you can imagine that, or I bet I would, 
I'm sure this must have been what someone was thinking. Like, that's maybe dangerous for a lawyer, but. All phrases, just in general, look out for things like that because that's how people, that's how gaslighting is done. You can listen for yourself what you hear there, but those phrases you just mentioned, Janet, are like one of the things that you should always be on the look for, look out for. That's how people convince you of things, make you think something that you really don't think. But what she's talking about. So I was on the track at the gym when I heard that part. Alice is glad I had to stop. I was shocked. And first of all, this got to be the fourth time I've said it. Alice is a badass. Like I would never want to be yeah. in a courtroom <laughs> with her. She gave the most compelling and it was just like, bam, bam, yeah. bam, bam. And she just hammered it. And it was, and she was like getting mad and fired up. It was, I think it was performative because five seconds later, she's laughing and giggling with Brad about it, but that's her job. That's a right? Great is prosecutor. To be, great prosecutor. Yeah. But there, but there, as I said in, in this week's episode, there's no substance at all. Like the entire, her entire clothing, her entire theory is all about what Adnan was thinking. Like this is nothing that anyone could ever prove. It's, it's, it's a, I don't know how long it is, five or 10 minute diatribe about what Adnan was thinking. But the part where I had to stop was when she said, everybody, and, and you're lying if you don't admit it, everybody has thought about wanting to kill people. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know what's, first of all, I have a, there's a lot of this that goes on uh, in lots of places. This is one of the places with them. There's a lot of us through this series where there are these huge general generalities made where it's like anybody would do this and everybody does this kind of the same thing you were just talking about, Janet. And that's one of them. Essentially, she's saying that Adnan had this murderous rage and these murdery thoughts about, hey. But most of us, when we think that stuff, we don't actually do it, but he did it. But it was just one of those things. It was like, it was, it worked. But like when you listen through, and that's when I made the post too, is like, what specific things convinced you? Cause my hope is people go back and listen again. Like, man, that, cause, cause the first, when I saw the social media, I, I saw the social media post before I heard their episode. And all I saw was, holy shit. Alice just sealed the deal for me. Alice explained it all. I, I mean, poor Brett didn't get like nobody was giving Brett props at all. It was Alice, Alice, Alice. And so I was listening and, I, and it was and it's it tough for me. I had to be like, OK, you need to be open minded. Right. You need to be objective. And let's see if she changes your mind. And when I heard it, you know, I'm kind of trained not to be like caught up in emotions, but, you know, be listening for facts. And I'm like. What? Great speech. Not a single fact in it. The entire speech was about what Adnan was thinking, which I guess when I thought back, it's fair because it's a theory. She said it's her theory. Yeah. So you're allowed to have a theory about anything that you want to. Yeah. But I was expecting based on how many people were persuaded by it, that it was going to be at this time, this happened and this fits here and this is how it went down. That's what I was expecting from theories. Brett got closer to that, but he didn't do any of that. He just said. There's a general, there's a basic story that emerges. Right. Trust me, without doing any of that stuff. Well, Alice, I know she, she was only doing it as a theory on a podcast. And so I hope that she applies that passion and commitment and persuasiveness to cases and, and has the facts to support them and is putting people in prison who should be there. And that that's, you know, and that it's, go, it's all going towards truth and justice. Like, because that is amazing. Yeah. So. Hope so. Yeah. Um, super impressive. Okay. Uh, I think we're running short on time. Uh, Jennifer, you, you made a very thoughtful post. 
um, with four different points. I think we probably don't have time to cover them, but people feel free to sort of, and we've sort of talked about this. We've talked about kind of who tells the best story being um, something that happens on both sides. You can be an amazing defense attorney and, and, and defend somebody who is guilty as sin. And if you tell a great story, that yeah. person will not go to prison and may live, you know, kill again or steal again or what have you. It works both ways. But um, uh, Jennifer, we understand your, your thinking and your feeling about kind of evidence versus persuasion. Again, that works both ways across the board. Yep. Um, so thank you for, for all of that. I, I like that you ended it with, okay, as you all were, like, as you were, yeah. everyone, I'm done. Um, uh, and that actually takes us into uh, talking very, very briefly about Luke. Um, Mitchell, before we get deeper into his case, um, there are some things in here that I think we actually might want to put a pin in because they talk more about things that I think you're going to be revealing or talking about or analyzing in future episodes. Um, how, how about this? Yeah. And, I, and I know and I hate because I know you've been super busy and you put a lot of work into it. Yeah. No. But we're, we're already we're already coming up on almost yeah. an hour now. Sorry again, everyone. Sorry, everyone who only wanted to hear about Luke because it's a new case and we ended up talking for an hour. So sorry, guys. Yeah. And that's my fault because I'm pretty sure I talked for 59 minutes of that hour. All good. But I think that because it was such a 30,000 foot view and this week I'm getting into into writing like the specifics and the details mm-hmm. We're get really into Jody's background and Luke's background and the, ge- the geography. We're even going to talk a little Black Dahlia in this first episode. Um, why don't we go ahead and close things out for makes now? Sense. All of this will be preserved and make sense in future episodes, too. That's great. Yeah. So we can roll that stuff over to next week. I'm sure there's going to be yeah. a bunch of questions. I'm super excited to get into it. And I'm super excited. We've got a ton of um, new, at least new people on the fan page from Scotland that have like, and the UK that have like poured into the page that are, that are this is, this is a case. This seems to be like the West Memphis three case mm-hmm. of Scotland and and parts of the uk uh so there, there's a ton of people i've gotten a ton of messages and comments from people that are super excited that we're gonna be talking about this so if you're new first welcome secondly sorry that you tuned into here uh about luke's case but uh we're gonna we're gonna get into the weeds on it this week and next week's follow-up will be answering all questions about that because the prosecutors are done so the rest of my commentary and their stuff this is the fourth time i said this will be all on the bonus <laughs> series also i should apologize to the people that are here on the main feed that are sick and tired of hearing about Adnan's case. And we just spent all this time talking about it again. Uh, I think I'm done because there's nothing new guys. Yeah. There's nothing new coming out. We're getting into this case, the Luke Mitchell case. It's it's fascinating. fascinating. Janet and I were just talking in the Patreon pre-show about how, like I was digging into like maps and aerial images and I'm already like, and this is why I've always like never done an international case because the first thing i did is like oh i want to go there i want to walk that trail i want to see that area and i want to understand like what it feels like walking through there and stuff uh but we're going to get into all that next week but i think for now uh we should we should let this thing be over with i should stop rambling thank you guys for listening thank you for joining us on the uh on the youtube chat oh kelly thank you for reminding me one last thing kelly zappas uh, who is on the the Truth and Justice fans page, which, by the way, if you're new, it's the on Facebook, the official Truth and Justice podcast fans page is what it's called. There are other ones out there that are very far from fan pages uh, that are like Truth and Justice discussion pages, stuff like that. On the official page where I'm at, where Kelly's at, um, Kelly is helping us put together, um, arrange some like interviews for um, 
episodes, like when we're done with Luke's case, when we're still in this kind of in between major seasons, uh, things that we can do that are like we did with 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 Eric, uh, with the search and seizure stuff, like experts on things where we can just kind of learn and help educate ourselves. Uh, Kelly has asked for you guys to let her know what topics that you would like to hear about. And I think the best way to do that, I, I was going to say tag Kelly, but I think Kelly, the better thing to do is on Friday. Why don't you go ahead and make a post and uh, we'll pin it um, asking so people could just comment under your post. So you don't have to go searching for all of those. But if you have a, if you have a topic that you'd love to learn about, definitely uh, let Kelly know because she's she's on the ball on that one. I just want to say Bob made it seem like that was his idea. And Kelly's note to us literally says she's going to create a post about it on the Facebook page on Friday. I don't have my glasses on. So all I saw, all I saw was her name. Come You're like, up. Kelly, I see your note. My idea is that you create a post on Friday. It sure does. The, end, the end of her comment on YouTube says, I'll create a post Friday see, for suggestions. You never have to worry because we'll always call Bob out on his shit. It's fine. <laughs> Brilliant minds. Think it like oh. that's the way I see it. Speaking of Friday, last thing we're done. Last thing we're done. Uh, I'm just super excited. I have a Zoom meeting with an innocence organization. Nice. On Friday uh, with a team of lawyers who have a couple of cases that they want us to cover. Um, sounds like from talking to them, they will not be full long seasons. It'll be more like Pablo Velez's type seasons, where it's a it's a shorter one while we're building up to the new one. Uh, I've also heard from the uh, the case selection team. That they are going through their phases and they're narrowing down the next big case. So we are we are progressing and moving closer to that. Awesome. Uh, but we got a lot of good stuff coming. Um, great. So that's it. Thank you, Kelly, and uh, you're welcome for my great idea about you making a post. <laughs> we love you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. We miss you, Zach. is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com Design Created manages and maintains our website Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnik, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. 
You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Barney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice.